Welcome to All Things Analytics, a production of the Innovation Podcast Network. Tune in on the third Tuesday of every month for new discussions on the latest data and analytics insights with top experts in all sectors of industry. Now here's our host, Trish McPeak, VP Business Analyst at the Innovation Platform. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Trish McPeak, and I want to start off by saying thank you to all those who share this podcast with others, leave encouraging reviews, and subscribe to our channel. If you would like more information or have any questions, please feel free to visit our website at globalinnovationpodcast.com backslash all-things-analytics. This week, we have a special guest joining us all the way from the UK. Philip Bennett is a devices and analytics inventor. He graduated with his Bachelor of Science from the University of Portsmouth, and he's an experienced leader in technology-driven transformation. Thanks for joining us today, Phil. Thank you, Trish. It's, it's great to have you on the phone. Um, I've actually had a chance to get to know you over the past several months, and it's been so pleasant working with you and all of the other guys from UDA Live team. I believe our listeners will quickly see how brilliant you guys are and what amazing advice you'll be able to offer them. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I just want to kind of start off by just letting you tell us how you got started in analytics and BI, like a little bit of just telling us your journey. Of course, I'd, I would love to. Well, actually, it all started uh, quite a long time time ago, um, 15 years ago or so, and graduating at university and not too sure what to do with myself. Uh, <laughs> That's all of us, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I, was, uh, I graduated uh, in electronics engineering and uh, business, and uh, I actually got a call from a friend of mine uh, late, late in the summer. I'd had my summer of fun after finishing university. He said, uh, he said, hey, Phil, uh, do you, do you want to do uh, some work for just uh, three or four weeks for a company who uh, make uh, and manufacture electronics products? And I said, uh, sure, sure, why not? I thought I was just doing a, doing a friend a favor. And when I turned up, it turned up at this company. Uh, it was a company with a, a lot of uh, a lot of great problem, uh, a lot of great products, but uh, a lot of problems as well. Uh, and my first job was working in a, a electronics test team, figuring out what was wrong with um, a couple a couple of million dollars worth of faulty uh, faulty products. And those products were sitting uh, sitting on a shelf, and they weren't organized, and no one really knew what to do with them. Um, and so for my first week, I uh, went about uh, going through all of these products, and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't really sure what to do with them or what was wrong with them. And I could sort of find something, something wrong with them one by one, um, one by one, and sometimes a few at a time. But this was getting me through um, maybe... Um, one in 2,000 faulty products uh, at a time. So um, I set about uh, my first real experience, uh, real experience of using data in a business uh, business process environment. Uh, I set about uh, setting up a connection to the company's um, manufacturing uh, database, uh, which gave me the test results of what was wrong with all of those uh, 2,000 or so faulty products. And I was able to extract the serial numbers uh, of those products, categorize them, make a connection to the uh, inventory and parts master, uh, 
categorize the product by product line and family, add valuations to them, and download the uh, cause of the cause of fault. Um, so <laughs> this was something that was pretty much unheard of uh, when I when I started, but I couldn't see another way of getting through all of those faulty products. Right. I mean. Most people, when they get out of college, they just go to some silly internship or like start off with a small job, but you went pretty big there. <laughs> I, I did go pretty big, but I thought, um, I really thought I was just going there to do, um, do something uh, a bit fun and, uh, just, and just for three or four weeks. Of course, um, by the end of my first four weeks, uh, I, I put this system to, together and it was really all Excel based, and I think a lot of your listeners will um, sim- sort of sympathise and recognise <laughs> the journey in, in analytics, starting with um, starting with a humble or not so humble Microsoft Excel. Hey, back back then we didn't know any better. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> and and so this this tool uh, was great. It allowed us to essentially say, well. Um, at a time, maybe a hundred, a uh, hundred faulty products uh, had the same had the same thing wrong with them. Um, and at a stroke, uh, we would able to be able to uh, find those products, uh, test them, and uh, either fix them or send them back to uh, send them back to the manufacturer. Um, and I was uh, I was joined by a, I was joined by a colleague who I'd worked with for a long time uh, doing that. And uh, for our sort of humble $15 an hour straight out of university, we were able to get rid of the $2 million of uh, inventory in uh, failed failed stock in just about three and a half months. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's not your typical uh, entry into analytics by any means. <laughs> It was it was something of a bat- baptism of fire for us um, <laughs> right. back in those days, but it really it really taught me very quickly the power the power of data uh, and the power of um, taking an interest in the data around you and the potential that it holds. You know, I'm a I'm a true believer that there's just certain people that are just born with the mindset that can do analytics. It's just the way that our mind is programmed, the way that our mind thinks about things and how it breaks it apart. I know that you can teach it in school and I highly recommend people actually taking some of the courses because even when I was in college, um, 12, 13, 14 years ago, um, there wasn't classes for analytics really. There was some stat classes and stuff, but there's, it's nothing like it is today. But I do also believe that it, it just kind of takes a certain way of thinking to do analytics and kind of when you're talking about the way that you just got in there and, and started realizing like, okay, this is a problem and I'm not learning anything because I'm doing one product at a time. And then your mind just changed it and understood how to, to take that data and actually utilize it. That to me is kind of born into us. That's that's right. It's really curiosity. It's curiosity that drives you to investigate the data and want to solve the problem, and want to find that uh, find that value uh, in the data. Um, and often, um, I, I often say to people that it was a little bit of laziness uh, that made me not want to go through every single one of those uh, products to find out what was wrong with them. Uh, but rather find a find a quicker way so that I could move on to something more interesting. Yeah, I like to say work smarter, not harder. But laziness probably is the right term. 
Exactly, exactly. And so, uh, and so after um, after that um, successful uh, experience, I stayed with that company, and um, uh, it opened up a it opened up a lot of opportunities to look at things like um, production production efficiency and production capacity, um, materials uh, materials planning uh, into. Um, things like um, finance, uh, analytics for finance. And so um, at, at that time, I guess, uh, in the early mid-2000s, uh, we were often talking about business intelligence rather than um, analytics. And a lot, of it, a lot of it was really about automating processes uh, that were very time-consuming, um, the sort of old manual reporting that people would uh, produce week after week, and then um, sort of freeing up that time for people to focus on the real business value rather than focusing on the cranking cranking of the handle to produce uh, produce routine reporting. And of course, a lot of it uh, isn't, and at the time wasn't being used, uh, and a lot of it wasn't providing uh, value to the business. And uh, that's always really driven me to um, get people out of the uh, cranking the handle and back into enjoying their d- job and finding the value uh, in the business. Yeah, that's that's actually one of my favorite things to do is, aside from you know taking it to the next step, which is that advanced analytics, it's just really breaking down that barrier of just showing them the basics and how that can truly help them in their current jobs and allow them to get skill sets that they didn't even know they had and to utilize them in a, in a more enhanced way. That's that's probably one of my favorite parts of the journey with any organization. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. And there's so much um, excitement to be had going to work every day, just finding the, uh, you know, finding the patterns, uh, finding the value. Um, and you know, sometimes you're um, you're improving the bottom line. Uh, sometimes you're making making people's jobs better. Um, but it, there's, there's so much value to be found in data and analytics. Uh, and I'm so glad to have had a career uh, a career uh, doing that. Yeah, same. And it's kind of funny that we both actually didn't go down that path, and it was our jobs that actually led us down that path. And it's just the opportunities we have are endless because of that. Um, now you're currently in a different role. Do you want to explain what your current role is? And then I want you to kind of show or tell how your previous role and the understanding of BI and analytics helps you in your current role as well. Yes, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to talk about my uh, current role because um, after all uh, many years working in uh, the corporate, uh, big corporate IT world, um, I, uh, took a, I took a, a redundancy reduction in force um, about two years ago, and uh, I began working on a startup, uh, a startup company uh, in the uh, emerging um, IoT uh, IoT sector, and we began uh, starting a company to build uh, sensors um, uh, with the idea of building an agnostic um, sensor platform that we could take to. Uh, a number of uh, a number of different uh, applications, um, and the first uh, the first application that uh, we took the sensor platform to, not very glamorous, was stormwater drainage, and so we um, 
we partnered with a company called uh, DMS, our company UDA partnered with a company called uh, DMS in uh, Wales, uh, in the United Kingdom, uh, who had an idea to make uh, composite, uh, composite storm drain covers with embedded sensors. Um, and that's really where the uh, product side of our uh, journey journey began. And uh, now, as I look around, um, walk around our office and into our labs, uh, we've got a piles of storm drains filled with filled with sensors. Um, that's expanded into uh, many other things. Um, some of them similar, such as uh, access covers with embedded sensors. Uh, some of them um, uh, sort of in in a similar municipal space, such as. Uh, trash um, waste waste bin trash bin covers uh, that contain sensors, and um, and indeed on, on into um, safety safety devices uh, safety devices as well. So we're we're building out a suite of a suite of products uh, that um, we use for uh, we use for now all sorts of applications based on this agnostic sensor, and of course those sensors produce tons and tons of data that we need to do something with. So we uh, we use a lot of that data uh, to help with preventive, preventative maintenance, really to help cut down the maintenance effort uh, and to help make, uh, in the case of storm drains, for instance, uh, streets safer and better for communities. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you and I were with each other when we started to have all this rain in Oklahoma um, and it's only gotten worse since you've left um, the United States. It's it's crazy the amount of rain that we've had and the flooding that we're having here. And it, there's no end in sight. It's it's dry today and it was dry yesterday, but they're already predicting for rain Friday and through the weekend. And it's just with the sensors that you guys have, even though they're not <laughs> glamorous and they're just drain and the ability that they, the lifeline that they have and um, the data that's coming from them, I just... I just really wish we could get these into the cities because I feel like that could help us in so many ways, especially in this this time of flooding. Now, hopefully we don't have floods like this in a really long time. However, just simple rain, you know, it, some of our streets we know they're notorious for flooding if it's going to rain, even if it's just a small rain, we know, okay, you can't go down that road. And, and so these drains with these sensors built into them, I think can really provide a solution for our city management to start making decisions and to understand what's going on before before they have to go out there and, and experience them themselves. And most of the time, they can't really do anything until the flood water is, is gone. And I think that your sensors, if you want to talk about some of the data points that they can pull in, could really help with that. Yes, exactly. Um, we, worked with, uh, we worked with a city in northern Scotland who uh, has a, installed uh, a number of our uh, products and um, essentially, uh, they had some terrible flooding back in 2009, uh, and they chose not to do anything about it. Uh, and they told they told the citizens that it was a once in a hundred years event. Ah, that uh, sounds really familiar. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, just two years later, uh, the same flooding occurred again, uh, and of course, the people of that town, the community, uh, weren't happy. And so, um, you, you know, um, people started to look around for solutions. Um, and actually, they sort of uh, hugely increased the number of crews that were out on the roads uh, cleaning and inspecting and maintaining uh, drains. Now, of course, um, 
budgets are often uh, often squeezed for uh, towns and uh, municipal authorities, and so um, in response uh, in response to that, they've started looking at systems to help them reduce the cost of that ongoing uh, ongoing maintenance. Um, so using our sensor sensor platform, uh, we we built a patented, in fact, drain uh, storm drain cover. Uh, that's able to detect blockage of the uh, blockage of the storm drain um, through a set of um, sensors, um, temperature of the uh, of the drain, which gives road temperature for uh, things like road icing, which allows uh, as a as a benefit allows the uh, authority to more effectively um, plan its road uh, road salting operation uh, in cold weather. Uh, it contains um, a depth sensor, so uh, we're able to see uh, the water levels rising and falling. And of course, the data. In fact, uh, we also. <laughs> this is quite exciting. Uh, it has a it has a theft detection uh, system as well, so we know if someone's removed the removed the cover, so cars can't go driving into um, storm drains. And now. Uh, that sounds very funny, but actually, these things happen much more than um, much more than you would think. Uh, the the type of driving I've seen over the last couple of weeks, nothing surprises me. Exactly, and so we uh, we take that and we over, overlay a lot of spatial data, such as uh, weather data and uh, flooding data, um, to allow us to um, utilize the sensors most uh, most effectively. And so, whilst we've got this, um, you know, great physical, mechanical, electronic uh, uh, electronics product that goes into the streets and sends all this data back, it's really meaningless without us being able to do uh, do the analytics uh, on the data uh, on the data that we receive back, um, and do the real predictive analytics. So we know that uh, if the weather is telling us it's going to be uh, raining half an inch an hour. Um, as, as you've experienced in Oklahoma recently, uh, we need to be increasing the frequency at which that um, sensor uh, reads data and reports back to the um, authority. Right, and then it just allows them to be better prepared. I mean, now, not saying anything against anybody because these storms were definitely out of our control and things that we haven't even haven't seen. I mean, the city that I live in, there wasn't even enough barricades to barricade off all the roads that needed to be barricaded off so there was even that risk because they they had everything they could out there it's just this was this type of rain is just not normal for us but you know just like you said you know they said it'll never happen again and then two years later it did and call me crazy but I don't feel like it's going to be ending anytime soon um so I really think that if people could utilize sensors and data in this way it could really help make an impact um and then you guys had talked about whether you know trying to compare the cost of things, whether a traditional drain or your guys's drain, but the fact that yours is can outlive other drains and they don't have to have repair cost as often, you know, you're not even looking at putting in drains as often as you're you normally would. These type of drains can can keep going for many years. Exactly, exactly. And it's, um, uh, I guess, uh, you, um, you and I and, and just people that don't, don't work in um, sort of the municipal authority, um, municipal authorities wouldn't realize just how much work goes on in the background and how many uh, dollars, uh, dollars are spent 
on um, you know on street level maintenance just every every year just huge huge amounts of um, money and being able to target that money um, more effectively um, has only has benefits for only has benefits for the communities and um, and the key to that targeting is is all about data is all about gathering the gathering the data around us uh, making use of the um, available uh, data, whether it's weather, whether it's sensor data, whether it's flooding data, uh, to um, to predict uh, how best to spend those spend those dollars. Uh, and so, there's every time you are doing analytics, um, spatial analytics, or data analytics, you are um, working towards um, solving a problem. And uh, the majority of the time, that problem is to um, is to save money or to uh, enhance enhance your organization. Yeah, and I, I mean, I just look forward to the fact that you guys are so big in the UK right now, and that many of the cities in the UK are taking advantage of um, data the way they are. And I really feel like the United States is going to to come in and do the same. I mean, you can already see it in communities; they're trying to communicate better with the citizens and I think that this is just the next step in this digital transformation that that cities are really going to start taking advantage of sensors and data and um, analytics in a way that they can not only communicate with their citizens but also make effective business decisions and I think those two things will really help because everything in today's world is very transparent and so like you had stated you and I really don't know what goes on behind the scenes of the city we know we can look at numbers you know, and see kind of what spending's being done. And, but for you and I, we could be like, well, that makes no sense. Why do they spend that money? And that's the same thing that citizens, you know, here in the United States, some of them kind of get that way where they don't understand the whole context of things where I truly believe that data and being able to make it public for the citizens can see um, will help change the way that, that we work and live our everyday lives. Absolutely, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Um, transparency, um, transparency uh, is, is vital. Allowing people to see see how those systems work uh, is is a fantastic benefit of uh, this kind of um, data and analytics work. Well, it's it's clear to see that you know your first job right out of college has really helped um, you advanced, and you've been able to take those skill sets from job to job, and that's what's so beneficial is that. You don't technically have to be the one building the dashboard or, you know, diving into the data every day that you can still take those those skill sets and apply them to any type of job because every job is essentially needing that those type of skill sets. I mean, sitting here on the podcast, uh, Jordan's sitting across from us and she's the one that's doing all the production on this, but she still uses analytics in her job too. She's watching how many people are joining the podcast, you know, where are they coming from? So essentially every job uses analytics. So once you get into it, it's a pretty powerful tool to have in your tool set um, as you grow in your career, whatever direction that may go. Um, you actually brought an interesting topic up to my attention last week when we started talking about podcast and and this podcast podcast in particular, as far as what topics could be covered. And I we're going to dive deeper into this later, but I would like if you could elaborate a little today on the topic that you brought up, which was communication for analytics professionals. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would love to tell you um, some more about that. Um, I, uh, over, the, over the years of working in data and analytics, have um, often felt that um, 
you can produce uh, produce the most wonderful data analysis. Um, you know, you feel it's very obvious uh, where the value is coming from. Um, you know, what a great job you've done. But how do you take that to your stakeholders? How do you take that to your um, colleagues? Um, how do you make that stick within uh, within an organization? Um, and how do you make people even adopt it to start with? And that's something that I'm I'm very uh, very passionate uh, passionate about um, producing you know producing the ana- analysis, um, managing the data is just a first step um, uh, you know, and it only really gets you halfway there. You've got to get that uh, that information to your uh, to your stakeholders uh, so that they can. Use it effectively to um, to to change uh, to change people's opinions and change pe- people's perspectives, uh, and I'll certainly enjoy uh, enjoy talking about more about that and um, and sort of tips and techniques for um, that sort of enablement of uh, of analytics professionals. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to have you back on um, here in a few months to be able to cover that topic because I I agree that it's it's a very important topic and maybe one that a lot of people struggle with and they don't really even know they're struggling with it. So that will be really interesting to to talk about and just kind of have your insights because with your experience, you've obviously had to do that. Uh, but I just want to go ahead and thank you for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you on our podcast. And it's really lucky that our listeners get to hear from you again in the future. Um, so I, I appreciate you taking that opportunity to to come on today and then to come back in the future as well. Thank you, Trish. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening in. Don't forget to subscribe. And remember, communication is a big part of any analytics project. Do you need advice in taking the next steps in analytics or want to share your data journey with the All Things Analytics team? Then reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram at IPSmartBuzz or by filling out the listener feedback form at globalinnovationpodcast.com. And if you like our show, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.